This episode of the Future Cities podcast is proudly supported by WSP Opus, creating what matters for future generations. Louise Baker, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Will. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm wondering how you're doing. Is this normal for you to do podcasts? Have you done a lot of this stuff? <laughs> a little bit of radio and media, but I, this might be my first podcast. All right. That, well, we're, that I've been in. I've yeah. listened to quite a few. What's your favourite podcasts? I love Russell Brand's Under the Skin yep. podcast. Yep. Uh, I really like some of the. I think it's good ideas or big yep. ideas yep. from Australia, especially the guy that went to Mars. Well, not went to Mars. He signed up to go to Mars. Yeah. That was incredible. Would you sign up to go to Mars? No. That <laughs> was really fascinating because I couldn't quite get my head around how this guy had passed all the psychological profile stuff from NASA, but was still... <laughs> It sounded really affable and intelligent and sane. Yeah. And he wants a one-way ticket to Mars. Louise, what is it that you do? Like, if you have to describe to people what you do, what do you say? I tell them that my job title is sector leader for smart mobility and advisory. And they usually say, what on earth is that? <laughs> <laughs> so smart mobility is about the future mobility of cities, mm-hmm. the technology-enabled transport services, and thinking about how our transport systems can work with the new sort of bike share, the Onzos, the Limes, all of those, right. and the Ubers and, and the traditional all mixed in together. Mm. So my job is really about understanding how we can plan that system, and it is kind of organic so Mm. there's an element of just embracing it in the right way as well as understanding people's behavior and habits and what why why do we do what we do when we know what we know answering all of those questions Mm. so that you can then influence do you have an answer why do we do what we do when we know what we know because we're human (laughs) (laughs) we're not we don't really respond to logic and reason too much we like to think we do but we're emotional animals yeah we're so isn't it do you find it fascinating that we don't think we are but yeah. We are? yeah, well, especially I think I really am not and that I like to make really rational decisions <laughs> and then I find myself doing things that I just... I, I, I like this mad little lovely route through a, a park <laughs> instead of a straight line that would get me there a lot quicker. It's just so weird. Do you think that technology will make us less like that going forward or do you think it will just bring out the... You know, that thing in us that keeps us making weird decisions. I think we might maybe share a bit more about our weird decisions and maybe more of us will make them. And that could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. My concern about technology is that it's incredibly distracting and it's replacing what you should be getting from connections of face-to-face interactions, meeting other people, spending time with them. So uh, I worry that that has an influence on how we then go and make decisions about how much time we spend with other people, Mm. whether we're okay on public transport, if we'll share a ride with someone, if we've just been terrifying ourselves with Netflix series. Wow. (laughs) We're opening up some can of worms here, eh? because these are things that people deal with every day. Yes. And I guess there's two kind of things. We you have the new Lime scooters and stuff like that, and that's making people more social, right? You're yeah. out there doing it. You're smiling at each other exactly. or thinking, wow, what an idiot. Well, you're getting wind, wind in your face too, <laughs> yeah, with all these things. Um, you're able to travel long distances. I wonder if the mayor's been on one because 10 kilometres an hour is pretty slow. They start getting wobbly at that speed. They don't self-right as well. I don't know, but I feel like 
every leader should go on those type of things. Oh, uh, yes. You know, if, just if they're like, going to make decisions about them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There was this time I was um, going down the Whanganui River and it was so beautiful and it was like this moment of realisation that, wow, things are huge and amazing, yeah. and hills and sun. And I was thinking, I wonder how many, let's call them leaders, do something like that. And I wonder if people, we should make people witness something amazing, you know? And that, I guess that's my concern about social media is that I don't know if it, it translates. You can 3D view anything in the world, the pyramids, you know, whatever. But I don't know, it's just that whole... Yeah, we're still working this out with technology, right? How do we... Yeah, I don't think you can connect with nature in quite the same way mm. if you're sitting in front of a computer or with a virtual headset on compared yeah. to wandering around in a forest. True. Um, what's the best argument you can think as to why we should embrace public transport? I mean, really, apart from the pollution of cars, which is a huge one, right? But I'm talking about people who are getting just through their day today. They offset that with trying to get to work. Um, there's bad traffic, okay, but you put up with that. Why should people change? A lot of people have already changed, yeah. so we can insp be inspired by them. They, mm. they must have a reason. Maybe they've got a secret we'd like to know. Yeah, I want to know that secret. We want to be able to choose to use buses, trains and ferries because they're convenient, because they're enjoyable. I love the ferry ride into mm -hmm. the city, although I've never seen any orca. I should just pay for a whale-watching trip. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but you want something efficient. You don't want to be sitting there in your car going at the same speed mm. or faster than the bus. You're never really going to change over then but yep. I think uh, why should people change sometimes we approach that as we well, should just stop driving and then start cycling that's too big a step mm. sometimes if we're saying to people well could you do it once a week would you like to try yeah. it on Friday with mm. this person who goes from your neighborhood so that you can experience it mm. then they're going to do it I mean I saw I was at the Association for Commuter Transport Conference in the States last year and we were talking about riding the bus and how it actually takes 32 skills to ride the bus. And they're all listed up there. True. But you don't really think about that when you're really familiar with public transport. About, you know, you get on a different bus. And I, mm. I took the bus in Baltimore once. And, and, and I was standing there trying to give my money to the driver. And she was just going, no, mum, no. <laughs> and, and you have to post it into this special slot to the right. So okay. there's all these barriers that we don't think of. Mm. And, and just not knowing, like you might put something into a journey planner app that says you've got to set off now. And you're like, well, when, when does the bus leave that bus stop specifically? Yeah. Getting that timetable tailored for yourself is, is really important to influencing mm. those decisions. That's so true. That's so true. I kind of gauge from when you're talking that you have a passion, right, for thinking about this stuff a lot. And you, you do think about this stuff a lot. Um, where does that come from? Uh, when I was... 14, <laughs> I did a study for geography at school, looking at whether the village I lived in had become a commuter-based suburb, which I thought was really bad because people weren't living in the village and working in the village. They were all living there and then driving out. So mm. it sort of started back then. And I studied biology. That's my first degree. Mm. And that, for me, is about systems yep. and and also the nature and the world and, and sustainability matters to me because of that. It should matter to all of us. Mm. Having a really good sort of three-dimensional understanding of how this all fits together and yeah. why we need to change motivates me and makes me passionate about this stuff. And, and then from there, you just 
kept staying in that area? Did you know it would be a career for you? No. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) No, and I think so many of us need to talk more so that kids in schools or anyone who's making career choices understand what we do and what sort of jobs are out there in the world because I never could have said oh this is what I'll do 20 years from leaving university I after I left university I went and worked for Orange so they were a big wifery communications company in the UK first with pay as you go first with text messaging first billed by the second so really innovative and I just loved their brand and I wanted to go and work for them because I thought Orange was really cool and they were in (laughs) Bristol where I lived so I started there and then joined their environment team which really got me into um, looking at travel plans Mm. and managing how people get to work and I got onto some just really fascinating projects and Orange grew so much when I was there you got to do big projects when Mm. you had very little experience which was great for me yeah Yeah. so we were doing things like moving into areas where the coal mines have been shut down in in Peter Lee up north and building a new call centre and then having to plan transport for people who lived in sort of village pit um, areas so so they, they weren't as easy to sort of get a route through from a sort of corridor in a city so so that was just really interesting looking at how people moved how we needed to move them and we um put those people onto shifts at the call center so that we could get them two jobs which they hadn't had in the area for a long time Uh, and they were all traveling on the shuttle together so we had really high retention rates and um, staff satisfaction was was pretty good what about change itself right so you you have an idea some ideas are good some ideas are bad let's say we have a good idea do you sometimes think to yourself um or is there actually science or modules that you have to follow to say it's not going to happen tomorrow but change does happen over time I, I, I just try and wonder you know we think about stuff in life and i've got to change something maybe it's going to the gym you know and and you think you're just going to do it but actually we might fail three or four times at it but um you got to kind of just keep going at it. I'm just wondering how you view change. Like, an, is it optimistic for you? It, yeah, and change is the only constant. I'm quite comfortable with, with change. I also think that I've learned through my time working that you, to become more patient because mm. it takes it takes story to move people to then accept change or consider it yeah. and then they have to get ready and then they might be ready to move so mm. I, one of the, the things I've learned is the time it takes for evidence to get into actual policy that can be up to 18 years yeah. in, in medical and the same goes for transport so you're looking at all these fantastic projects uh, from the states from from the UK so ideas like the sustainable travel towns that were being done 15 years ago and delivering really great results that have a fantastic cost benefit analysis Mm -hmm. it's a no-brainer doing more of that stuff we're only just restarting to go and look at that again here we've done some like Mm -hmm. model communities in New Plymouth and Hastings well you're talking about smaller um, cities and towns as well yeah and we talked a little bit about before the podcast um, do, they, do those places get enough love for the technology and science? <laughs> They're last on the list sometimes, aren't they? But I think they could be stamping grounds for testing things. And I think you've got a sense of community in those towns that mm. you can harness and um, people might be more willing to come together. There's higher levels of trust sometimes. Depends where you go. Yeah. I think they're, they're last on the list but could 
benefit more. So when you're thinking about stuff like bike share, we know that those big companies are targeting the cities, but we also understand that if you had bike share in some of the local communities in a more organised way than we've got with just sort of bike shop hire, you could mobilise people you could get people access to bikes who can't afford to buy one mm-hmm. but you could also have tourists using them so there are opportunities to put smart transport systems into the towns and villages around new zealand as well as in the cities with your thinking study evidence that you have with you today what do you see the next couple of years in our city what do you think's going to happen with transport travel are we going to change or is it are we just at five years of the 18 year change system we are changing like what so more of us are riding the bus into the city mm-hmm. uh, we've got cycle infrastructure growing look at all of us who got on scooters almost overnight yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i what we will be seeing is the transport agencies starting to partner with these providers. I, I ha- hope that they'll create some more stable business opportunities into the future because it's hard for those companies to decide to invest some of them, the local ones in particular. So I think we'll start to see organised um, services around things like first last leg to the park and ride or to connect you to a particular bus station from your suburb levels of optimism about things you know like i guess i'm bringing that into the sustainability conversation there's obviously some good things happening there's some areas we work on do those two are we on the path to match it are we on the path to find a better balance Things are going in the right direction. Mm. I'm I'm concerned about how much money there is to make the changes that will be most impactful. We've we've seen a few white papers come out recently. Um, We've all been publishing them, WSP included. What's a white paper, sorry? A white paper is a paper for government suggesting why policy should go in a particular direction and giving them an idea of what that might look like so it's it's opinions informed opinions about Mm. where we should go and what we should do next to respond to a particular problem my questions are big ones eh? like you know when you say that i say well where should we go and what should we do next yeah this is what i want to know (laughs) yeah so (laughs) the the new zealand transport agency signed up to the shared mobility principles that's you can find that at sharedmobilityprinciples.org and those are a set of 12 principles for how we should design a city of the future which has shared, more shared and active transport. Mm-hmm. So things like um, including everybody in, in the, the access yeah. agenda. So, so you're not just providing access to people who can afford to spend four bucks going a kilometre on a Lime scooter mm-hmm. who have data on their phone and credit cards that are ready loaded for those apps now you're looking at how you can um have something much more equitable and inclusive and and that's a lot of the companies out there that are rocking up in town the likes of lime um and car to go and others that are on the way and we we welcome these newcomers we need them in the mix Mm. a lot of them they're, they're all big corporates motivated by making profits for their shareholders which isn't always a bad thing but I would like to see us consider how we could use our existing assets, our cars and bikes and whatever else we've got to maybe form some cooperatives so that we can share those so that 
we've got this stepping stone between now and what the future looks like. Mm. So I'm not sure, I'm not completely convinced personally whether we want to transition away from owning our own cars and whatever else we've got in the garage or stored at the top of our apartment to a future where we pay per kilometre to corporate America to go anywhere and they've got all our data. <laughs> I'm amusing wow, extremes. I hear, I hear you though, I hear you. Yeah. We want, we want that in the mix, but we want control as well. We want mm. control of our own privacy. We want to know what we're learning. So we're all using an on-demand shuttle and, and it's repeating that route a lot. We need to know when that actually should transform to become a bus service. We need to consider these as an extension to the public transport system. So bike share, scooter share should be public transport as well. So we, we subsidise public transport because it has benefits of taking cars off the road and providing people with access. We, we need to think about that for these new providers. When you say we, like everyone? We. Every, everybody. <laughs> the the decision makers. Uh, so I'm thinking... Um, people like Auckland Transport but Ministry of Transport and New Zealand Transport Agency but individuals too we, mm. we, we're involved in this and that's okay. why I like the idea of, of mobility as a co-op because it could give us some of that agency that makes people feel a bit more in control feel mm. settled in a place feel like they have got a mobility system that is working for them it's designed for the people that live there and maybe that's an answer for the suburbs where these other companies don't have mm. so much financial incentive to rock up but who who could the suburbs where a lot of us live is a very very viable lifestyle choice for a lot exactly. of people yeah. we aren't just going to intensify overnight and solve the problem there's still be people living in the suburbs <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's an answer for them so that's that's my theory i suppose about the future that's great oh i did have something else just went blank for a second that's the first time that's happened today um yes it was around that's all right i can edit this out um or maybe i'll leave it in be authentic uh are you going to ask if you can drive my maserati yeah actually i was (laughs) and can we go through drive-through in it (laughs) (laughs) i haven't got one (laughs) sweet ass mobility smart mobility what do you do when you're not thinking about this stuff that work-life balance are you good at it i think i'm quite good yeah (laughs) i like growing things to eat (laughs) and flowers that sort of thing i love swimming i've swum across the harbor a couple of times that's smart mobility isn't it it's it's active modes Mm. isn't it and i like when people say to me there's there's no active modes across the harbor i do point out that you can only bike or run (laughs) once a year but you can swim three times a year if you do all the harbor swims that's funny though because we don't think about walking and running as, as those things anymore they're more recreational ways of living now aren't they but they got us around for a lot of a lot of time. That's before. right, Shanks mm-hmm. pony. What's that? <laughs> That's a British expression. <laughs> when you're on Shanks pony, you're walking. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can cut that. I've out learned. Too. We've all learned something new. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. Don't overthink it. We're not. We're not trying to, you know, say the best answers here. I'm just interested in as to what everyone says. Okay, you ready? Ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the future? Uh, I am concerned about the future if the human population continues to grow unchecked. 
I'm really concerned because I think that that could mean, well, that will mean it's already happening now, displacement of populations. And we as consultants might end up talking about the capacity of cities. And then life becomes less valuable because there's so much of it. We lose a lot of nature and we lose the quality of life that we've got in our cities. So we do need to find that balance. Let's end on a really positive note. Yeah, let's, we could cut Tell, that out. No, 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 no. We don't cut it out. This is a podcast. This is not the 6 p.m. news where we, you know, uh, either frighten you or tell you about a life that you can't have. What's something that people can do today? Something that they can look at, read, research that highlights the good things happening? I think that if we all started to think about our connection to each other and whether we're getting sucked into materialism and trying to own our own, own stuff and, and if we stopped thinking about that and thought about maybe going for a walk in our neighbourhoods because we, we know from data that that makes you a bit happier mm. uh, and instead of jumping on a game going and calling a friend those sorts of things for humanity I suppose is what I think people can do immediately and then the other things are yeah why not next week set yourself a challenge if you've never done it before to take a bus somewhere mm. <laughs> a lot of people have now no but it's great you know we all know this but no one talks about it like seriously no one says go for a walk we all try and find these huge things you know we want to talk about saving things and I get it but sometimes saving it I think anyway is you know save your mind go for a walk yeah today. look after your mind yeah. definitely and if you you ask me about work-life balance and I'd say that I mean I'm quoting a friend of mine mm-hmm. but she says athletes really understand that they need to rest their bodies in between their events and training and people who use their minds a lot and particularly in, in the role that I've got you're filling your mind up with information all the time and you really need that downtime to rest your mind so that you can then come back refreshed and do the work that you do. You just can't keep going at that pace. I think we just get into a habit of filling up our brains. And mm. Yeah, I like to just take some time out and take my dogs to the forest. And I love it. I love it. So complicated, but so simple. Yeah. And that's where we'll end today. Louise Baker, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Will. And we'll see you another time. I hope so. On a bus. Yeah. We do one on or a bus. scooter. Shall we? Scooters. Yeah. Okay. But I think I might be too heavy for it. Anyway, we'll get downhill. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of the Future Cities podcast is proudly supported by WSP Opus, creating what matters for future generations. (laughs) 